episode of Preferred Walk-On, a PFF college football show. I'm your host, Max Chad. We've got a very, very special guest on right now. That is Dane Brugler, who's an NFL draft analyst for The Athletic, one of the most well-respected draft analysts there is. Dane, thank you so much for coming on, man. No, the pleasure's all mine. Thanks, Max. Of course. So the first question I want to ask you before we get into some of the prospects that we should be watching on Saturdays this year is, you know, the, the thing that you're most well known for is the beast. You know, there's this massive NFL draft guy that you put out every year, over 400 scouting reports as in depth as you'll find. I wanted to ask you just how time intensive is putting that entire thing together? And have you already started a little bit on the, uh, the 2024 process? Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. It's a 365 day, uh, type of type of process. Um, and there's always nuggets you're pulling, uh, during last year's draft class for future draft classes. You're talking to coaches, you're talking to scouts, um, players, and inevitably different names come up that maybe aren't draft eligible yet. And so you're picking up these little things that you can use for, for next year, uh, whether it's background information or something about their game that, uh, you know, a coach tells you actually, our best man cover guy is actually this player. And so, you know, you're picking up all these things that you just kind of tuck away for the future. And then the summer, I usually, I try to take May and recharge the batteries a little bit, coach my son's baseball team, my daughter's softball team, uh, but then jump right back into it, June, July, August, where that's the base, you know, set the foundation for what this upcoming class is going to be. And so it was a busy summer of uh, a lot of, watching a lot of tape, talking to a lot of uh, my contacts around the league, trading that information. So uh, I'm just, I'm ready for new tape. Yeah. We got a little bit over week zero, uh, USC, Notre Dame, uh, heck even, you know, UTEP, uh, but mm-hmm. I'm excited for week one here where we're, we'll have new tape. Uh, so talking about actual stuff going on on the field uh, with uh, the upcoming season. So you mentioned USC right there. And I wanted to ask you about this because you're number one. You put out a top 50 big board before the season starts. And your number one player shouldn't be much of a surprise is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. I wanted to ask you, though, as someone who's been doing this for a very long time, do you think he has the chance of entering the same vein as Trevor Lawrence and Andrew Luck as terms as far as, you know, the, the best quarterback prospects we've seen in recent memory? Uh, there's no doubt. Uh, I mean, he has that type of ability. Um, it, for me, I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years now. I just off the top of my head, I think the best quarterback prospects I've ever evaluated, Andrew Luck being one, uh, Joe Burrow is actually two, and then Trevor mm. Lawrence three. I, Caleb Williams could get into that top three, uh, you know, even knock off Trevor Lawrence, get to that third spot. I mean, who knows? I, he has that type of ability. It's just it's it's the physical uh traits that he offers with the mobility um you know the arm strength is plus uh he has a good sense for where he needs to be on the field uh but also just the uh the decision making process it's very instinctive he's a poised playmaker uh you know we know that Lincoln Riley offense helps uh the scheme that he brings but Caleb Williams is what makes that scheme come alive. Uh, and you see it on every single tape. There are some concerns, you know, obviously with uh, he almost welcomes that chaos. And that's something yeah. that happened with Bryce Young last year out of Alabama. He, he you know, bring it on. Cause I mean, if you are, uh, you know, going to give me that extra time, I'm going to find somebody open and with Caleb Williams. He almost he'll pass up that that easy layup for trying to find something bigger. And so maybe uh, just the, the decision making process needs to continue to improve. 
his efficiency processing um, and understanding, okay, how much time do I spend on read one before I need to get to two and three in my check down? And um, so I just some of that part of, and that's something that you would expect from a sophomore quarterback. Like he's still young. We have to remember that, um, you know, so going into year three at the college level, uh, year two at USC, uh, it, there's some new targets around him. No more J- Jordan Addison. Uh, you know, the defense looked a little suspect. So, you know, he's probably going to be in a lot of games where into the fourth quarter, he's going to be throwing the football. So uh, very eager to see Caleb Williams this year and see how he can even further develop his game. I love the point that you made of him inviting the chaos because I completely agree with you. I think the USC offensive line would be the most underrated unit in the country. It seems like, you know, they're getting beat every play. It seems like, but really it's because Caleb's holding out of the ball for three and a half seconds when most quarterbacks are holding off for, for two and a half seconds. So I, I completely agree with you there. Another guy that you have close to Caleb Williams, at least, is Drake May, who's your number three overall prospect right now. I wanted to ask you, do you think it's a clear you know, one and two, or do you think that Drake may has a chance to possibly overtake Caleb Williams when it's all said and done? It's not impossible. Um, I mean, there are some smart people around the NFL who, who definitely have Drake may as that top guy. Uh, And it's nothing against Caleb Williams. It's more, they're just so uh, optimistic about Drake may and what he could be. I think there's, you know, you watch him and you, you can see the Justin Herbert vibes, you know, being a, uh, a, a strong arm passer who has the athleticism, has the smarts of, we have to remember, he was just a redshirt freshman last year, a, a guy that barely saw any action at the college level. He steps in and he has this type of production. So I think physically, mentally, he's just incredibly impressive. Uh, he can work through his progressions. Uh, his vision is, is definitely a strength of his. It's above average. He can read coverages. So based on what he did as a freshman, it is easy to be over the moon excited about Drake May. Now, okay, what's he going to be, what's he going to look like in year two when new play caller, new system, uh, no more Josh Downs and his 120 targets. So, you know, there's some, a little bit of changeover in North Carolina that you know, we'll see Drake May, you know, he decided to stay put. He had plenty of offers to enter the transfer portal, go somewhere else. Uh, you know, you know, Georgia, Alabama, there, there are plenty of schools that would have loved Drake May to transfer. He decides, you know, North Carolina is his place. That's, that's, you know, he's got family connections there, obviously. Uh, you know, he, he decided to stay put. We'll see how that plays out this year as North Carolina goes through a little bit of a identity change uh, on offense. But, you know, Drake May, he's still, he's got the goods. Yeah, absolutely. And, you you know, your top four, you know, it's not too much, too many surprises there. You got Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., Drake May, Olu Fashano. Number five, though, is, is where it gets a little spicy. And I love this from you. You have a Marius Mims from Georgia, the offensive tackle at number five, who, you know, wasn't even a full-time starter last year. What is it about Mims's game, though, that we should be, you know, really keeping an eye on him this uh, in this tackle class? This guy is so talented, man. Uh, <laughs> I tell you, he, uh, it's funny. I, so the Ohio State State from from the college football playoff game, I, I watched. I'm watching that. And I'm like, who is this? Uh, is this right tackle? And okay, he's draft eligible. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna watch him. And that Ohio State tape was just unbelievable. And I remember I texted uh, one of my buddies, uh, Southeast Area Scout, and uh, I said, I, 
you know, if you, if you watched Mims yet, he said, well, I'm going to Georgia later this week. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. And he texts me like a week later and says, all right, oh my gosh. Yeah, you're right. Like this guy is, <laughs> he's, he's going to go high, high. Uh, and he, it, it, with two starts, you can tell right away, just the, the high level traits, the tools that he offers six, seven, three thirty, every bit of that. Uh, but he's got this twitch to him. Uh, it bursts out of his stance. Uh, he's got long arms. He's powerful. Uh, and he's a former five-star guy. So it's not like I'm unearthing this, uh, you know, nobody that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, you know, let me uh, let me say that. But he is a guy that right away, you can tell he's different. He's got something to him. And so, you know, I, I love Olu Fashanu. Uh, you know, last year, he was my number five overall player before he decided to go back to school. Uh, and, you know, I knew coming into the summer, I'd be very, very high on him. I did not expect to be giving almost an identical grade to another tackle. Uh, but I think that just speaks to Mims. And you know what? Every every summer, I kind of have one of these guys where it's like, all right, I'm going to bet on the traits. Even though I know nobody else is talking about him like this. Nobody else has him highly ranked uh, or this highly ranked. Uh, but like Christian Gonzalez was my guy last year. He was like my sixth overall player. And you know, he ended up going 17th. Um, but you know, I'm going to bet on those traits, uh, two years ago, Trevon Walker, I was yeah. super high on him before many people were talking about him as a, a top player. Uh, and he ended up as like my fifth overall player and he went number one and, you know, obviously time will tell how, how that works out. But, uh, Amarius Mims, he's my guy this year, uh, love what he offers. And, you know, there's, there's definitely some question marks. There's some new faces on that offense. Um, you know, is he going to be playing left tackle this year, uh, replacing Broderick Jones. Uh, so there's definitely some questions, but I love the talent that he put on tape even in just those two starts last year and he's a part of a tackle class that quite frankly then i don't i, I don't know about you but i haven't seen a tackle class this awesome you know preseason before you got Ola fashano amarius mims joe alt is a guy i love jc latham you have in your top 10 as well a yep. bunch of other guys you have in your in your first round too uh how special is this offensive tackle class and is this the best one that you've seen so far in all your years doing this yeah, I mean, I, I immediately I think back to, um, you know, when we saw, what, four tackles going to top 13 a couple of years ago with Andrew Thomas and Jedrick Wills and Mekhi Becton uh, and, and Wirfs out of Iowa. I mean, and Wirfs, I mean, him and Andrew Thomas have really separated themselves. Uh, Wirfs moving to left tackle this year. We'll see how that works out. I, I have no doubt he'll be able to do it. Uh, people forget he was playing right tackle at Iowa just because uh, the left tackle couldn't play right tackle. So they needed him there. And then when he got to the Bucks, that's where they needed him, right tackle. But he has he should be able to transition to left tackle, no problem. Um, this tackle class has has a chance to be to be special, like you mentioned. In my top 50, uh, I had eight offensive tackles in there. And that blew my mind. I, I knew this was going to be a good tackle class. I did not expect to have eight tackles in my top 50, by far the most represented position. Uh, Joe Alt's a good player. Um, yeah, Notre Dame fans don't like me because I, I have him like at 16, not the top 10, top five guy. Like um, other people have him. Um, I have some questions about Joe Alt, but I still think he's going to be an NFL starter and a really good player. Um, had a you know great debut against, against Navy. So I can't wait to see him against Ohio State. Uh, and then some of Clemson's guys uh, later in the season. So uh, Joe Alt's a good player. Uh, Patrick Paul from Houston, the top senior offensive tackle. Uh, he, he's a good player. And then Jordan Morgan from Arizona coming back from the injury. Uh, Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, n- not as well known. Uh, but, you know, TCU transfer. Um, you know, you see him catch some touchdown passes maybe this year. Uh, so th- this is a tackle class with a lot of promise. Uh, and that's exactly what the NFL needs, right? Every I don't care who you are. All 32 NFL teams are looking for more tackle help. And this class should be able to offer that. 
Absolutely. And, you know, two blue chip prospects, I, I think a lot of people are talking about right now are Marvin Harrison Jr. You have number two overall on your board and Brock Bowers, a tight end from Georgia, uh, who you have at number six. And, you know, I, I had Jordan Reed on uh, a couple of weeks ago and he actually told me, you know, I think Bowers is a better prospect than Kyle Pitts right now. Just how special uh, do you think Harrison and Bowers are? And, and when do you think we saw the last receiver prospect better than Marvin Harrison Jr.? And when was the last tight end prospect, do you think, that was better than Brock Bowers? Yeah, you know, it's tough because Kyle Pitts, obviously, you know, is he a receiver? Is he a tight end? Like, you know, the, the, the lines are so blurred with him. Um, but Bowers, he is, he will give you a little bit more as a blocker, um, yeah. especially out in space in line, you know, he, I don't think he's a guy that you want, you know, in line every snap and, and face it off against defensive ends, but you get him on the move and he will make it his mission to latch onto that safety and just drive him out of the play. Uh, you know, we see him do that all the time at Georgia. Uh, he is a, just a, such a, a special athlete for that size, six four, two thirty five. 235. He's going to run in the, the low four fives, maybe even gets in the four fours. He's that type of athlete. And, you know, this year we'll see, you know, with the new offensive coordinator, how that, you know, they want to get the receivers more involved. You have a new quarterback. Uh, quarterback is more of a pocket passer. Um, we know Brock Bowers is going to get a lot of targets in that offense, uh, but just interested to see his usage um, and, and just where they line him up. Is he going to be across the formation again? Um, you know, Brock Bowers, I, I Kyle Pitts, I, to me, was – I think it was uh, what Trevor Lawrence and then Kyle Pitts for me in that draft. So he was my number two overall player in that draft. I don't Bowers I, as much as I like him, he won't be as highly rated as Pitts was for me coming out of that draft, but he's still, uh, you know, the best tight end besides Pitts since, you know, you can go way back. He, he is a special talent um, with Marvin Harrison jr. Gosh. Uh, I mean, you have to go back I mean, with all due respect to Jamar Chase, who I, I think is in that conversation. Um, I think you're going back to AJ Green, Julio Jones, and then wow. maybe even Calvin Johnson. I mean, it, this is a special one of one type of wide receiver with Marvin Harrison, because, again, it's not like he's just doing it with. He's not just taller than everybody. He's not just faster than everybody. Uh, he has a savvy to him as a route runner, as a guy that is able to frame catches and uh, away from his body, bring him in. His catch radius is silly. I mean, he looks like Spider-Man out there with some of these catches that he's making. Um, and so, uh, you know, we could talk for a while about Marvin Harrison Jr. without even mentioning who his dad is. And that that's the amazing thing about it is he's standing on his own two feet. Uh, it's not like he's holding on to these bloodlines as, you know, keeping him afloat. He is his own special player. Uh, we saw it. And, and honestly, I, I think you could tell right away, watching that Rose Bowl game against Utah, Jackson Smith and Jibba set all those records. I came away from that game saying, okay, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best receiver in college football. And I said it last summer and I, you know, Ohio wow. State fans pushed back on me and said, he's, he's number three on his own team. It's like, <laughs> guys, I'm telling you, this guy is different with how he's moving out there. Uh, you know, he just, he has a very veteran sense for how to play the position. And, you know, this year, even though he's losing CJ Stroud, I don't know that we're going to see that much of a, uh, a decline in terms of just production because with Kyle McCord, who was his quarterback in high school. Mm -hmm. So there's already a set connection there. I, I think the only thing that might hurt him is Ohio State's wide receiver core is just so 
deep uh, with uh, Egbuka part of that. Julian Fleming is, uh, you know, a, a really good receiver. And then even some of these young guys they have, they want to get in the mix. Uh, I'm already hearing about Carnell Tate uh, as a special freshman. So that Ohio State wide receiver depth chart, uh, it, it's as good as it has been. It remains elite and it looks like it's uh, going to stay that way for another few years. Absolutely. I think Harrison and Ibuka, I would argue, are the two best receivers in college football right now. And I love that you yeah. brought that up, how he's kind of standing on his own two feet. I said it before. I mean, you got Marvin Harrison is probably a top 10 receiver of all time. Marvin Harrison Jr., like you mentioned, is one of the best receiver prospects you've ever seen. I've said it before. I, I think, you know, I feel bad for Marvin Harrison, the third man, because that the pressure <laughs> that kid's going to have is going to be unbelievable. But right. uh, Well, but- and, and honestly, like when you think of Ohio State. Uh, it, it sets these expectations because uh, mm-hmm. it, it, like it's just really hard. Okay, it's just Garrett Wilson, Olave, uh, Harrison, uh, Smith and Jigba, and then Ibuka. Just take those five guys. Like, we won't even include Jamison Williams, who was once part of that wide receiver room. Just those five guys. If you rank them, mm-hmm. it's hard to th- okay. Who are you putting at five? You know, it's hard because <laughs> if you feel like you're slighting somebody, but it's just it, it's just such a loaded group of five receivers we've seen in a three-year stretch. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably the best receiving core in the NFL when they were in college. You know, that's, that's an insane receiving core. But I wanted to ask you, too, about, you know, this quarterback class, because obviously at the top is Caleb and Drake. You won't find too many people that will put anyone else in that top two there. A lot of people have a different QB3, though, whether it's Michael Penix Jr., whether it's Bo Nix, uh, whether it's anyone else. You have J.J. McCarthy right now at number 19, the Michigan quarterback. Um, how, you know, what, what was it about his game that – has you having him a lot higher than a lot of other draft analysts right now? Uh, all the tools are there. Um, yeah. You know, six three two ten. He's a really good athlete. Uh, he can beat you with his legs. Um, he has the arm. Uh, you know, he. We haven't been able to really see him take over games because Michigan. That's not their mo. That's not their offense. They don't need him to do that. This is a. They have the best running back tandem in college football uh, with Blake Corum, uh, Donovan Edwards, and two guys that also made my top fifty and could be the first two running backs drafted in April. So you know, I don't necessarily blame Michigan, and you know, that's how what the team Jim Harbaugh wants to be on offense. Uh, you know, the ground game is going to set up the pass, and with JJ McCarthy. When they have needed him, he has been able to step up. Uh, you know, maybe you know, you look at that TCU game last year, the two pick sixes, and um, you know, some uh, some unfortunate breaks in that game. But JJ McCarthy has been the intangible factor is off the charts. The coaches really praise him with his smarts and the way his leadership is, um, the way things just roll off his back, and uh, how he can. He, mistakes are not going to linger with him. He has that type of mental toughness. So a lot of things with JJ McCarthy are there now. Do you want to see a little bit more like take his game to the next level uh, on the field this season? Yeah, that's a big part of this. So uh, to start the season, J.J. McCarthy is my number three quarterback. Uh, But I think Quinn Ewers is right there from Texas who, you know, we have to remember he was basically a freshman last year in that Texas offense. Um, But that Texas uh, offense is set up this year to have a big season with those Mm -hmm. receivers, uh, you know, A.D. Mitchell coming in, um, you know, Worthy. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of, uh, you know, Worthy. I think he's a good player, but, you know, He's 160 pounds. Uh, he needs to fix the drops, but he has speed. Uh, he has some route running, so he can still be a weapon in that offense. Um, I, I'm eager to see what that Texas offense will look like, especially going to Tuscaloosa uh, when week two. So that, that'll be a lot of fun. We'll know right away if they're for real or not, but they have the talent on paper. So JJ McCarthy, Quinn Ewers, these are guys that have everything on paper. It's just, you want to see a little bit more on the tape. Uh, and I'd even throw, um, you know, Riley Leonard in there who, 
doesn't necessarily have some of the, the 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 physical traits, the elite physical traits you want at the position, but he throws a very catchable ball. Uh, he's very accurate. He knows where the void is going to be in the defense. Um, I, I don't think people realize how efficient he was last year. And just as a uh, both using his legs and then moving the ball through through the air, this is for a first year coaching staff, a Duke team that just looked awful the year before. So Riley Leonard, uh, I mean, you know, we'll see what he can do in year two as a starter there. And then I have to mention Bo Nix, who is my top yeah. senior quarterback, um, kind of changing the narrative last year. We saw what he did at Auburn, had you know started off pretty hot as a freshman, tailed off as a sophomore and junior, goes to Oregon, is the starter there, and just got better and better throughout the season. So, um, you know, Bo Nix is a guy that he, he just – he was probably the one player that I – hated leaving off my top 50 the most i i i because i do think he can get into that top 50 mix maybe even the first round he has that type of potential it's just where he's starting is going to be more that late two early third round range for me absolutely trevor sikama has him uh qb3 right now in the draft now at one point he even had him over drake man and i think he was talked out of it about a week <laughs> later but uh but yeah, I think I love that. And, you know, a guy I wanted to, to bring up with you is, is one of the guys you just talked about is Quinn Avery. So I think it's maybe the most boomer prospect in this draft. What do you think is the ceiling for Quinn Avery? Do you think this guy can can join Caleb and Drake at the top of the draft? And then what do you think, like, ultimately, you know, is this guy a day three pick maybe if, if everything goes completely catastrophe this year for Texas? Well, you know, if he's slated to be a day three pick, you almost uh, you kind of wonder what <laughs> – what is that going to mean for, you know, does he just leave for the NFL after this season, no matter what, you know, we know it's a very talented quarterback room down there yeah. in Austin. Um, so, you know, does he look to transfer? Yeah. There, there'll be a lot of different options. It'll be interesting to see what he does if he is viewed as more of a mid to late round pick. Uh, but I, he has all the ability to be, and, and think about it. We rarely are we talking about two guys at the top in August and then in April, that they end up being the first two quarterbacks drafted. Right. You know, two years ago, you know, Zach Wilson comes out of nowhere and he's the second overall pick. Obviously, that didn't age well, but it still happens where uh, it, we usually have some quarterback uh, enter the mix that maybe we weren't necessarily talking about uh, at this point in, this, in, in the in the process. So Quinn Ewers certainly could get himself into that mix with uh, May and, and Caleb Williams at the top. He's got a lot to show the, to do so. I think he has the arm, uh, the arm talent to do it. It's just a matter of staying on schedule. That, that's the biggest yeah. thing that he has to do. Uh, you know, when it, because he has the arm to make all those deep throws, but sometimes they sail. Sometimes his placement's not there. The timing is off. So just getting his footwork right, uh, his eyes on the same page, uh, just you know, maturing as a quarterback. And you know, again, he graduated early from high school, goes to Ohio State when really he should have been a senior in high school. Uh, and then last year as a redshirt freshman at Texas, there's gonna we should expect some bumps in the road. Uh, and so, what does he look like this year as a sophomore? He's seen a lot. He's you know his first really full off season in Austin in that system. So uh, Texas will be must watch this year for uh, fans, for scouts, uh, for for everybody. They're, they're going to be a factor in what happens in the college football landscape this year. I love how you brought up how, you know, the preseason top quarterbacks are never really the ones that you see actually be the top quarterbacks because a, a couple of buddies, my, uh, when we hosted a show called Boomer Bust together, we look back at like the top quarterback in the preseason from like 2012 to now. 
And I think it was only Andrew Luck, Jameis Winston, and Trevor Lawrence were the only ones who went wire to wire QB1. So I think Caleb could do that this year. But like you said, it's insane. Like how we think we know who the top quarterbacks are, and it's not even close to what they actually are when the actual draft uh, rolls around, though. But I want to ask you about some uh, underrated players. You know, obviously, Amarius Mims is probably the top of your list as as the guy that you think um, you're a lot higher on than a lot of other people. But are there any other players that you see uh, on other people's boards a lot lower than than you would have them right now? Um, you know, well, to be honest, I, I I force myself not to look at anybody else's just because I don't want to be swayed in any way. Um, but you know, I, I you see stuff on Twitter and things like that, and you have conversations with people. Uh, a, a player who I I didn't hear much about, but I was really impressed when I watched him was Nate Wiggins at Clemson, the cornerback. Um, He was my 12th overall player, my top 50. Um, He has size, he has speed. And it's important when you watch tape to understand what part of the season you're watching. Because you throw on the Wake Forest tape and you're like, okay, this guy's, he's struggling. This is, this is tough. All right. Well, that was in September. Throw on the North Carolina tape, which is later in the season. And he looks like a totally different player. He's covering Josh Downs in space. He's picking off passes. Uh, you know, he is reading Drake May. Uh, I mean, he is doing a really nice job. So um, I, I think he's a young player who got better throughout the season. And he, I think he earned that number 12 spot in my early top 50. Um, you know, I think this is in a pass rusher class where there's no Will Anderson, but it's still a, you, know, you, you like, you might not love these guys, but you like them. You like them a lot. And talking about, uh, you know, everyone, uh, you know, knows about Dallas Turner and uh, JT Tumalalu from Ohio State, um, Jared Verse, obviously. Uh, Chalk Robinson, I think, deserves a little more love at a Penn State. He's another guy that it's just scratching the surface of how good he can be. You know, Penn State always has these freaks. Uh, and, and it'll be interesting this year because they have the talent. Uh, it's just it's tough to get past both Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, do they have I, they have the talent to do it? Do they have the coaching and consistency to do it? That's another question. Uh, time will tell, but there's no question they have the talent. Guys like Chop Robinson, because um, in my top 15, in my top 50, only two teams had at least three players. Alabama uh, with Kool-Aid at corner, uh, Dallas Turner, and then J.C. Latham. Uh, but Penn State was the other one with uh, Kalen King, Olu Fashanu, and then Chop Robinson. So um, I, people know who Chop Robinson is, but I think he is uh, better than most people realize um, and then, you know, I, I think uh, another underrated player go to the senior class, Josh Newton at a, at a TCU uh, is a really good cover man, uh, has some size. He just has a really is a good knack for timing down the field. He can read the eyes of the receiver, uh, break up those passes. So uh, I'm a big fan of him. And then I, a part of me just wants just that badass safety again. Right. I, I, we, I miss the days when we we had that awesome safety in the draft we could talk about mm-hmm. uh I, I cameron kitchens from miami he has potential to be that guy last year he had six picks he showed that center field range that you want to see can he be that that first round safety that we want so badly to uh you know just be that you know elite player that we're talking about i, I he starts the year i think 27th in my top 50 so i'm not super high on him i i, I do question what his top head speed is going to be you know he might be a four six athlete we'll see but uh, I, I really like what he put on film last year and think, you know, he, he's another guy that could take another leap here uh, as he goes into his junior season. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting names on that top 50 to start the year. 
And then on the flip side of that, you know, I know you said you don't look at too many big boards, but you know, when you look at Twitter and you're seeing a lot of guys get a ton of hype right now, is there any prospect that you're maybe pumping the brakes on just a little bit compared to where everyone else has them? Um, yeah, Washington fan, fans, uh, I, I've heard from them plenty, uh, this, this summer, <laughs> uh, cause I, I haven't been as high on some of their guys. Um, uh, two of them did make my top 50 with, uh, uh, Rome, the receiver, and then uh, uh, Braylon Trice, edge rusher. I mean, they were like 45 and 47, respectively. So they they weren't super high, but they did make the cut. They were in my top 50. Uh, I, I'm not a huge Michael Penix guy. Um, I All the feedback that I got from scouts this summer on Michael Penix was between the third round and the fifth round. Uh, there was not a single scout I talked to. And, and I, I don't know how all 32 teams feel, obviously. Uh, but there was not a single scout I talked to that had them higher than the third round. And um, I, I understand where they're coming from because, you know, the mechanics are an issue. Um, some of the, the timing uh, and the ball placement uh, things are an issue. Uh, durability. And can he yeah. stay healthy? He did it last year. But you know, in the past, he, he had several injuries that will factor into, uh, you know, the scouting report and ultimately where he is drafted. So uh, I like Michael Penix. I think he's going to have another productive year this year. Uh, Washington is going to put up a lot of points. They will definitely be a factor uh, in this this final year of the pac 12, but as a prospect, I think Michael Penn has, he's got some work to do if he wants to be drafted in the first two rounds. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that he's a six-year quarterback. I think he's coming. He had two torn ACLs. He had a yeah. major shoulder injury too. Yeah. I, I, as much as I love Michael Penix Jr., I do see, you know, the NFL maybe being a little bit lower on him than a lot of college football fans would be, honestly. But Dean, the last question I want to ask you, I really appreciate your time. The offensive tackle class, I would think you would argue is, is probably the best right now, but is there a position in the draft too, that you would say not the strongest, you know, right now in this draft? Um, you know, I, I think that linebacker is always a position where, um, not always, but the last few years I've been kind of left wanting a little bit more, uh, you know, last year, you know, we had what Jack Campbell go in the top 20, a little bit of a surprise, but then, you know, Drew Sanders went later than we thought, uh, Trenton yeah. Simpson went later than we thought, uh, this year's linebacker class, you know, I really like Clemson's guys. You know, I'm a big Barrett Carter fan. He's a really good athlete. Uh, but you know, there are some questions about, just, you know, can he hold up as a take on player and, you know, how is he going to fit in the NFL? Um, you know, I, a guy like uh, uh, Junior Colson from Michigan has a lot of the tools, but can he take that next step? Um, I think only two linebackers made my top uh, top 50. The other one, uh, the first one was Barrett Carter. The second one was, uh, uh, who was it? I think it was Smile Mondon, uh, yeah. the linebacker from Georgia, who uh, is ready to take that next step. He's a really good athlete, moves really well. The movement skills for that size are really impressive. So I do like some of the linebackers in this class. But, um, you know, some of – I don't think the linebackers are – they didn't get me as excited as some of these other positions did. Absolutely. Well, Dan, this is a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Anytime, man.